Welcome back to the Dudes of Davy. Today is Monday, February 13th. It is the afternoon after the Super Bowl, and I think we all have the Super Bowl hangover. I especially have a Super Bowl hangover, being an Eagles fan. Uh, that was not easy. I think the city of Philadelphia literally shut down right now. There's nothing happening. There's no productivity. Uh, we're going to get into it. It's raw, but I'm going to get into it with everyone. Uh, we're going to go over, you know, Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, his legacy. Last week was an insane week in the NBA trade deadline. Uh, we're going to get into that in depth, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We do have a special guest today, um, and I'm going to have my co-host, Stefan Miller, here introduce him. We do indeed. I'd like to uh, welcome to the podcast Andrew Geiger. Andrew is a native of New Jersey who has taken over the city of New Orleans over the last decade, both from a... Uh, legal standpoint and from a sports standpoint. You could find him on Twitter at Casual Hoya, so which means he, yes, he is a Georgetown alum, but he's also a Tulane alum, which is like a double threat. And I've known this, uh, I've known this gentleman for 30 years now, going on 30 years, and uh, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Guys, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I've listened to you guys since inception, and it's uh, really a dream of mine to, to join you guys. And Lonnie, I, I totally understand your Super Bowl hangover, uh, but we are one week into Mardi Gras down here, so I've got the, the double whammy of Super Bowl and Mardi Gras uh, that I'm dealing with on this uh, casual Monday. Yeah, you got you have a lot going on. It it actually might be worse for you. Um, <laughs> so so wait, so all right, so Lon, listen. Obviously, we did our podcast a week ago, and we had uh, you know one of your best friends, one of my good buddies from Philly. Uh, Lee Minton. Lee Minton texted me earlier that he was, you know, contemplating throwing up. He was so upset over the loss, still can't shake it. You know, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little Vince update as well. Uh, Vince is far from happy. He uh, he put the defensive coordinator on his list, and he's he's really really upset that there were no adjustments in the second half. He's actually. He actually put aside that call at the end of the game. He, he said, you know, forget about that call at the end of the game. The Eagles just did not adjust in the second half defensively, and the Chiefs just ate them up. So, he, he look, he was he was thinking clear enough, but, yeah, he was very upset, as I can imagine there's lots and lots of people like that. Look, it was a great season. A lot of silver linings. You know, we got to enjoy the Eagles literally to the end of the season, the last eight seconds of the season, uh, that game really could have gone either way. The Jalen Hurts played out of his mind, which was a huge question mark whether or not he would, you know, really the last big game he's played in, like a huge game, was the national championship that he was benched in, right? Way different guy. You can see that now. I mean, it's just, it was unbelievable to see what he did. I'm happy for him. Not happy. You know, he's obviously not happy he didn't win. Uh, we have some good pieces. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but hats off to the Chiefs. They played. They played great. Like they game planned, you know, amazing. And Pat Mahomes was uh, was Pat Mahomes in in the best way that he could, given you know his injury. I mean, Andrew, can I jump in and just ask you, as an Eagles fan, are you? How do you? What was your reaction to that penalty at the end? There, um, are you one that says, uh, you know, you can't make that call that time, or are you just basically like, look, it was clearly a penalty. You know, we, we lost in other phases of the game. Yeah, I, I, I'm of that opinion. It's it, it was close, right? There was contact. 
was it catchable? That's that's a whole another you know thing there. I think you call these games all the way through. It, it's hard it's hard enough on these referees to actually have to make these calls, but to then start getting situationally into it. And I know it's the Super Bowl. It's like you know they don't want to be deciding these games. But you still got to call it consistent all the way through. And it was a penalty. You know, you look at it, it was a penalty. It wasn't as bad as I thought, you know. It, could they have let it go? Yeah, possibly. But if they saw it, then you got to call it. And and I, I do think that they, not on the offensive side, on the defensive side, they, they, they didn't adjust. Well, I think that question from Andrew is also coming from a place that I'm, I'm kind of familiar with, which is being a diehard Saints fan. Yes, yes. There have been a couple... Uh, questionable calls over the last decade that have really derailed seasons that look destined for championship. So, uh, you know, Andrew, you can certainly talk a little bit about what it's like to be a diehard Saints fan and then, you know, your impressions of the game last night as well. Well, I mean, I think the difference between the uh, last night's penalty and the infamous penalty that stole our Super Bowl was that, um, you know, one was called and one wasn't. Right. So, I mean, the the egregious pass interference and also helmet to helmet, by the way, that was somehow missed by every official on the field um, and cost the Saints a Super Bowl berth and probably Super Bowl win. um, You know, that uh, that really we've never recovered from. That's one thing. I think last night's penalty, the fact that the Philly defender acknowledged that he did commit the penalty, uh, which was really, you know, that's a pretty stand up thing to do. Surprising. it's surprising, uh, but but he he stood up and said, "Yeah, it was a penalty. I hope it won't get called." Uh, pretty much diffused any real controversy surrounding it, right? I mean, it was clearly a penalty on video. The defender acknowledged that it was a penalty, so there's really nothing to discuss with it. I mean, you call that flag, you call that flag in the first quarter, you're going to call it in the fourth quarter. Um, there's really no difference. You got to call them the same way throughout the, throughout the game. I think Philly really lost that game, obviously, in the second half. Like Lonnie said, I mean, the defense couldn't stop anybody. Uh, every They scored in every possession. I mean, even people forget, I mean, the Chiefs missed that field goal in the first half. They would have scored on another possession. Um, you know, so at, at Kansas City deserves a lot of credit. That offensive line stood up to, you know, Philly's pressure. I don't think Mahomes was sacked once, no, which is, not. is remarkable. Not. Get, re- remarkable given that I think the Eagles were on pace to set a season record for sacks or whatever it was the eagles had 70 sacks in the regular season four guys yeah. had double digit sacks for the eagles this year yeah and, and they had zero yeah. and they had zero but but i think though this goes to two points and one point isn't being made really publicly yet which is obviously the eagles defensive line couldn't get any pressure didn't touch mahomes all game you know, the, the second half adjustments by Andy Reid and his staff were exceptional. They did have almost 45 minutes, which is like triple the amount of time you normally would have. And they made some unbelievable adjustments. But I think you have to tip your hat to the Kansas City offensive line, which was really maligned in the last Super Bowl that they lost to Tampa Bay. Also maligned uh, a year ago against the Bengals in the AFC Championship. I mean, they looked like they could get anywhere they needed to even though Pacheco didn't like have an, an enormous game, but I feel like every run was four, seven, five, eight, and he was running hard. And, and then obviously Mahomes, you know, ran for over 50 or 60 yards. So I think, you, you know, while the Eagles defensive line was really 
suspect didn't even show up. And I think it would be, I would make the case for, you know, what happened with the adjustments. I you think you got to give a lot of credit to the Kansas City offensive line that finally came to the big game and just, you know, they were actually flawless. Right. And, and I think, and it's, go, it, go ahead, Anders. I was just going to say, it's interesting today, you know, the morning after the, the two coaches that are rumored to leave, you know, you've got the, the Eagles offensive coordinator going to the, the Colts and the defensive coordinator getting the interview with, um, with the Cardinals. It's it's remarkable that the, the Chiefs guys just remain under the radar. I mean, I know Spags has had his he's had his chances mm-hmm. with, with other squads. Obviously, I mean, he was the defensive coordinator for the Saints for a while too. Um, but the enemy, I mean, you talk about those adjustments, Steph. I, the, the 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 second half that he called was remarkable. I mean, to to have that kind of offensive display against a defense like the Eagles, and he just he continues not to really get any nibbles for head coaching gigs. Um, it's strange. Yeah, that's look. That's a bigger topic too, uh, and I think we could address that, you know, on a, on a broader to- on a broader pod and topic because he's had major interviews. He's been the number one candidate several yeah. times, and obviously he's not being selected. So I think at some point, yep. there's obviously something that's missing in those interviews that a lot of teams are seeing, where they're like, "Listen, you're amazing. You're brilliant. You're great at offense." You're also been working with Andy Reid for several years now, so for, you know for, you know we'll take that as a as a compliment. And, and and but you're you don't seem to have what it totally takes to be the head coach, and so uh, and and at the same token, I I'm a huge Andy Reid hater, and I was an enormous Andy Reid hater for over a decade in Philly, and it didn't take a lot to hate him. It just seemed like he couldn't, and maybe it was the personnel, maybe it was a lot of other factors. Okay, so I have to take a step back and say maybe I didn't look at the whole picture. But, you know, this man does have two now Super Bowl rings to his name. His offenses are deceptive. Uh, this year, he lost Tyreek Hill. And he, I mean, he, I mean, if you look at the receivers he picked up in the offseason and traded for midseason, none of these guys were blowing you away. Nobody thought that they had enough at the wide receiver position. But between Mahomes and Kelsey playing schoolyard ball every game, you know, and basically making up plays on the fly, and then the jet sweeps, and then the counterattacks, and then you know getting Juju and Tony and uh, these other guys involved, especially while Hardman is out. I just think that uh, Randy Reed deserves a lot of credit. I mean, he's a he's a two-time Super Bowl winner now, and I'm not sure if the, why the Chiefs wouldn't be the prohibitive favorite going to the next season. You know, it, it does pain me a little that we keep talking about second half adjustments with Andy Reid, considering. He was our coach for 14 years, and we lost three NFC Championship games um, in four years because he couldn't <laughs> make an adjustment. Uh, but I, I do tip my hat. He, he's been incredible with the Chiefs. This does segue a little bit. I, I have one big point to make about the defense and some of the adjustments that leads into Patrick Mahomes. When you have Patrick Mahomes, you are able to do certain things that other – you know, coaches and schemes, you know, can accomplish. Like, for example, I feel like Patrick Mahomes played a little rope-a-dope last night where, yes, the Eagles could have done different things defensively, but Pat Mahomes can do certain things that other quarterbacks can't. So, like, one of the reasons that they didn't blitz as much, and look, you're always afraid to blitz too much on Pat Mahomes, he clearly didn't have the same speed that he's had in the past because of his ankle. But one of the things that I noticed he was doing was literally taking a snap, almost setting up like a second baseman, and chucking the ball sidearm eight yards. I think he got the ball out within a second 
on several passes. And it's very hard to send players in and then let Travis Kelsey catch a ball on an eight-yard route like that because he's going to turn that into 20, right? So you have to stay at home, and they were playing that game. And Mahomes even did throw a couple runs in there, tough runs that I know hurt, just to keep them on their toes too. So it was some of the things that just, you know, there's only really one guy in the league who can do some of those things that allowed them to kind of work around his ankle. So, you know, and that that takes me to the point of like, I don't know if you guys have any more Super Bowl comments. Well, just I thought it was a really well-played game, right? I mean, it's everything you want to see in a Super Bowl between two number one seeds, you know, close game decided right at the end. Uh, just really well-played, uh, captivating. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for it. I guess it kind of stinks that it has to end with some sort of controversy on a flag. But um, that was a great game. Really could have gone either way. Yeah. I mean, my only comment was I caught up with my dad this morning who stopped watching football in the mid-2000s for a whole variety of reasons and somehow decided to watch the Super Bowl last night uh, and watch every play, watch every snap. And he's like, what would you think of that game? And I gave him my opinion. And I'm like, what would you think of it? And I was waiting for the, it's the worst, I can't stand the NFL. And he's like, that was one of the best games I've seen in you know decades. He's like, it was so well played. He's like, there were no interceptions. He's like, I really didn't think there were that many penalties. He's like, just the quality of play was just really tremendous. So I thought coming from somebody who's 86 years old, and now all of us obviously on this pod are in our 40s, it's a, it's a real testament. And again, it's so funny, you know, you think of Roger Goodell, and you, know, you just want to rail on him for any number of reasons. But the product that the NFL put out last night on its biggest stage was probably the one, maybe the best game of the year, maybe the you know, best Super Bowl in a few years. So you know, you got to tip your hat to them and to the, and to the league and to what they're continuing to put out there. But it was a, it was a really great game to watch for, for fans of the game, for non-fans of the game, and I think for all, even for our kids. I mean, Lon, our kids watched almost the entire game. They really did. They were, they were into it, even, even my girls, to a degree. <laughs> to, a, to, a degree <laughs> to a degree, the NFL deserves credit for that. Um, but yeah, can it, we it, just talk talk about Mahomes for a second? I mean, and just uh, there's this tweet by uh, what Field Yates. So he's been a, Mahomes has been a starter for five years, mm-hmm. right? Two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs, five AFC Championship games, five Pro Bowls, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, twelve plus wins every season. I mean, this guy's trajectory is. I mean, you know, Brady's obviously the goat, but. <laughs> I mean, Mahomes is well on his way. Well, I, I think the only other person to have two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowls, ring, uh, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two regular season MVPs, I think the only other two people are Brady and Montana. Correct. I'm, I'm actually looking at that. I, oh. I, I took a picture of that stat today that was on TV. It took Brady and Montana 11 and 12 years to do that. Mahomes, six. It's really five. Wow. And, 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 yeah. and then you throw in I, – I, I did want to have this – general conversation of where he actually stands today. Like his trajectory is obviously, you know, ridiculous, but where he stands today, it's, it's actually incredible that, you know, everything that you just mentioned, Andrew, but also his statistics are like, obviously you need statistics to get into the hall of fame. And when they do comparisons, the biggest things are, how did you perform in the Super Bowl postseason? All of that. We, we know, but you need certain things to get you to that argument. Pat Mahomes, not, not including the playoffs, for 80 games in regular season, has averaged 300 yards, two and a half touchdowns, and a half of an interception for his career at this point. His playoff numbers are 
basically the same with less interceptions. Um, he's averaging 5,000 yards a season and 40 touchdowns and 10 interceptions a season for his first five seasons. On top of everything you just mentioned, what he's doing in the postseason, um, do, do you think he's a top 10 quarterback if like he never touched a football again in the NFL right now? I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, you know, I, he's, he's now one of those guys where, like, if your favorite team is playing the Chiefs and you're up by, you know, one or two, whatever, and he's got the ball with a minute left, you, you kind of expect to lose, Correct. right? So, so when you have that on your resume, I think that gets you into that category. Yeah. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Brady fear. It's the Montana fear. Like yeah. you, you never wanted to give yeah. Montana the ball back less than two minutes. You never wanted to give the ball back to Brady with less than like a minute. So now granted, yeah. Brady, and look, we can get into Brady and all the things that surrounded him, but you know, Brady for the first, what was it, five to 10 years of his career had top three kickers of all time. You know, Vinatieri, you know, was a weapon that was remarkable. And Brady had great teams. If, if, this, is, if this is Mahomes' prime and he's, would you take Mahomes in his prime or Rogers in his prime if you had to start a start a franchise? Mahomes. I would. I wouldn't even touch Rogers. I would try and go. I try and grab anybody else but Rogers. It's close for me. But it's. In a, I think it's. A, that's a good comparison, right? Yeah. Like right in terms I mean, of they're just pr- they're pretty close in terms of just pure just what you've seen, talent, just incredible, play not, not career, just. Well, at, at their apex. Well, let's touch on this for one minute, right? right? So, obviously, I'm a diehard Jet fan. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Joe Klecko shirt today for, you know, for the listeners that can't see us. But, um, you know, we're, everyone's talking about Rodgers to the Jets. And I had a conversation yesterday with a, a bunch of hardcore Jet fans, and they all posed the question, who do you want? I'm like, to be perfectly honest, I don't want anybody. I'm like, and I, and I think I'd rather pass on Rodgers right now. Uh, based on the fact that I don't, I know that no one's ever come out and said he's not a good clubhouse guy. I know no one's ever come out and said he's just not, you know, he's not one of the guys. But I think he, his personality is just a little too quirky and a little too suspect for a lot of locker rooms. I'm sure he could go into some teams and fit right in if he wants to. But when, I, when, you, t- when you ask me a question, do I want to start a team right now with Rodgers or Mahomes? Mahomes off the field, you hear nothing. The, 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 word, the most annoying part about Patrick Mahomes is his brother, okay? And, and honestly, maybe to a lesser extent, you know, some of his other surrounding people in that circle. But they're mostly harmless. I mean, Patrick seems to be a, just a, a regular guy off the field, does what he does. You never hear about him. With Rodgers, whether it's who he's dating or who he's not dating or contract negotiations with the Packers, beefs with former GMs, I just... Beef, be, beefs or non-beefs with former coaches, I don't know. I just I think he comes with a, like a five pack of Samsonite, and I prefer like a, a carry on. I just I just want to carry on with Mahomes. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I'm nice and nice away bag for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I hear that. I d- just to end on Mahomes real quick. His trajectory is incredible. I am hearing you know things of oh he's a top five quarterback right now. You need you need more. Look, he's on his way, but you need more. He he is, I mean, is he the best quarterback I've ever seen just from a pure you know, talent standpoint? He's up there. I mean, I, I would put Rodgers there. I mean, it's hard to not say Brady, obviously, but what we're witnessing is incredible. Well, we also we also watched a lot of Elway. Elway. I mean, we always forget about Elway. I mean, no, no, he, he, he just doesn't get spoken about right. a lot. We watched a lot of Elway. I mean, in the fourth quarter, 
you were so, I mean, if you were a Cleveland Brown fan, I think you, you're in therapy because of Elway. Correct. I mean, that, you know, that man came back millions of times against you. So I think, like you, I think you make a good point, which is, look, top five, that's a tough one. I mean, let's, let's, let's give it another, let's, let's, let's let this dish season a little bit more. Yeah. But top ten, that's a real case. I think you could make a real case. Mm-hmm. I think you make a case there because it, it's not like the statistics aren't there. Too. Right. I mean, it's only five years, but he's got like more touchdown passes than like Troy Aikman now. It's like it's like unbelievable. That's insane. Right. I mean, he's, he's like. Yeah. Anyway, what, what we're witnessing is is something something special. We'll, we'll end it on that. Let's uh, let's transition a little bit to um, what was actually <laughs> incredible last week. Um, what was it last Thursday? Last Thursday, I think you texted me that like your brain hurt, like you like it. I your head was exploding. I just couldn't. I couldn't handle it, man. I couldn't handle it. You know what was happening. I mean, obviously, I was texting with uh, with Andrew as well and others, but you know the, the amount of trades that were coming in, and it started at one thirty in the morning, and actually, it, it actually even started a few days before with Kyrie. So I'll flip it to you guys first. You know, what were your initial impressions? Uh, what's the trade that took you most off guard? What do you think is the most impactful trade? And, uh, and, and, and Andrew, I'll just do a little bit of ribbing here. Um, when do you think Zion stops playing? Uh, well, to answer your first question, I think the, obviously the, the big trade was the Durant one, right? I mean, Phoenix making the move for, for Durant and, and perhaps cementing themselves as the team to beat in the West, or at least cementing themselves as the most interesting team in the West. Um, you know, they did get rid of a lot of depth in that trade. Um, sure did. You know, and so why they have that, st- that star power, the end of the bench is certainly not there, and that was one of their key factors in, in their runs over the past couple of years. Um, the Zion situation is very frustrating here in New Orleans, especially because when he's on the court, you see why he's so special. And, um, you know, Steph, you famously predicted the Pelicans to grab the one seat in the West and they were really well on their way. I mean, at the peak of Zion being on the court, they were, they, they were tops in the West and that was without Ingram. In- right. Ingram comes right. back because Zion goes down. Um, and now he's suffered another setback. So who knows when he's even going to be on the floor again. It's just really frustrating that the Pelicans can't get all these guys on the floor together because if they did, they'd be right up there with one of the, one of the best teams in the West easily let me um, let me ask you a quick question yeah has there been any talk now because he's suffering multiple injuries right and a lot of them are foot related feet related you know whatever you call it is there talk about and you brought this up lon yesterday so i thought this was a really interesting you know perspective he seems to be too explosive for his body right i mean he's he's almost so gifted that when he makes certain moves when he makes certain cuts when he gets to the rim that his body can't handle it is it not time for, I mean, and you know what, you know, we can go back into the 90s, you know, when teams would take a big man and say, listen, you need to work on this in the offseason. We're going to bring in Akeem. You need to work on this in the offseason. We're going to bring in a, a big guy coach, okay, to help you adjust to the game and maybe change your game slightly because I think if he doesn't, I think if he continues along the path of just being the most explosive player on the court, I don't think he's going to stay on the court. I actually think he's going he's, he's gonna to he's gonna have to develop maybe a s- consistent 15 to 17 footer. Well, the, the jump shot needs to be developed. No doubt. I mean, teams are giving him that and he's just not taking it. He's just, you know, bullying himself to the rim and it's, but it's really effective. I mean, you know, it's one thing if it, if it weren't effective and it would be also another thing if that's where he gets hurt, like landing wrong or you know doing something weird when he's jumping to the basket. But the recent hamstring injury was literally, he was just jogging up the floor 
you know, in any regular play, like it wasn't him like taking off from the free throw line to, you know, some poster jam situation. So um, it's tough to do that. He's still young. It's tough to take away the, the, the skills that made him the, the number one overall pick and such a, um, an explosive and, you know, generational talent, really. Um, what's odd to me is that he's young, yet still not healing as fast as some younger players might. Um, a lot of that was probably due to the weight issue, but to be honest, he looks much better this year. Seems um, like, which seems makes it all shape. yeah, which makes which makes it all the more frustrating to now, you know, a foot thing is one thing to say like oh it's the weight, a hamstring is quite another. Um, you know that really has nothing to do with his 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 weight. I wouldn't think um, it's frustrating, man. I, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do it, just because now they're locked into him, um, and the game. And when, when he plays, they're so good. So hopefully he comes back in a few weeks and they'll still have plenty of time. And I think they end up getting fourth, fourth, fifth, or sixth seed in the West and they can do some damage in the playoffs. Right. They should be able to do some damage. I mean, I wonder, I mean, I, look, I don't know anything about you know, modern medicine and what they do with athletes. You know, you hear about these, you know, these chambers and all this other stuff, but I wonder if he like does enough of, some of the LeBron stuff. Cause like I, I view them both as like similar ish in terms of their exploit. Like when LeBron was younger, I mean, he was, you know, two forty, two fifty at six, eight, six, nine, but he was just completely chiseled. I mean, it probably 5% body fat. I wonder if that look, and everyone's you know built differently, whatever, but I wonder if like, he's not stretching enough. He's not doing certain things and he's a young guy. So like, I understand, you know, as you get older, you start doing it, but, I wonder if he I, I don't know if you hear anything in, in the local media on him just not conditioning himself and he's just going off raw talent. Uh, that th- those rumors and such were certainly the case before this season. And then he came to New Orleans in, I mean, just physically great shape. I mean, he spent a lot of time last year away from the team, which, you know, a lot of people didn't look at that as very favorable because they're like, oh, not only are you injured and not playing, but you're not even with your teammates. Like, what are you doing? But he spent the time in Portland, um, you know, at Nike's facility. To his credit, got himself into great shape. And just physically, he looks he looks fine. I mean, he's a he's a big boy. You know, that that's what he is. He's, you know, he's a little bottom heavy. Um, but he did a lot of work and just looks, he, he looks fine. It just, the whole thing is just very frustrating. And the, the biggest problem with Zion is, and from a Pelicans organizational perspective, is that you know what you had with Zion on the floor. You know what you had with Ingram on the floor. You, and CJ has been there, to his credit, with both. But they still don't know what they have with all of them t- together. Um, so, And that could be problematic when you've got two alphas, you know, with, with Ingram and Zion. And CJ needs his shots. Um you know, they've got a great group of role players with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy and Valanchunas and Alvarado and Dyson Daniels, who's hurt also. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I, I think a, a good transition, as you mentioned, the big three would be to go over to uh, the, the franchise in Brooklyn uh, who, who had yes. a big three. Let's talk about that. Who had a big three, apparently. They had a big three for, I think it was 36 games, might have been. Um, I think, look, I think we should just talk a little bit about the end of an era, if you want to call it that, which was probably one of the single greatest worst decisions ever by a GM and an ownership to give the keys to the castle to the players themselves, if we're going to start with that. Yeah, I mean, what's unfolded in Brooklyn is, 
I, clearly a disaster. I mean, on, on every level. Um, with, when the three of them were on the floor together, it was like the Harlem Globetrotters. It was incredible. But that's just pure talent. I mean, you, you, there's, there's, it really does just show you need cohesion. You need similar values. You need, you know, just all of that comes together. It's not, it can't just be talent in the NBA. Um, it, it, but it didn't really make me happy. It really makes me happy that Ben Simmons is uh, the only one left there now, really. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. You know, now, now, now he can be fully exposed. That's, a, that's a little Philly dig right yeah, there. Yeah, there Excellent. we go. I had to get Excellent. that in. That's why I was excited we started talking about no. this. Uh, but, you know, KD, KD got lucky. He's in, he's in a good spot now. I think he's got a good chance. But, you know, his legacy's hurt a little bit by not just this, but, you know, if, if this was his supposed to be redemption, redemption for Golden State to a degree and be like, I can do this on my own, whatever, it's like it's, it's really kind of weird how this all happened and how he let it happen, too. I, I read an interesting piece about KD and his thoughts on his own legacy and call it the new generation, call it whatever you want to. Uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't give a crap, so he says, about his actual legacy in terms of championships and building teams. You know, he talks about how his legacy is how do the players on the teams that he's been on develop? And, I, you know, I read that piece and I said, okay, let me try and be objective and take a step back. I said, okay, I'll, I'll appreciate that mindset. But to, to go to the Warriors the way he did, to force his way to the Nets the way he did, and now to force his way to the Suns. Look, you can't help but understand that this guy uh, just doesn't have the mentality, doesn't have the desire to put in the work to build the team, right? To put in the work to build the team from a culture standpoint, to put in the work from a team from a chemistry standpoint. He really, you know, he went to Steph's team, and look, elevated them to a whole nother level. I mean, they played unbelievable. They would have won another ring had, had you know, that injury not happened. Uh, there's no question about that, most likely. But then, you know, to force your way to a t- another team and then handpick players who, as outsiders, look, none of us are NBA players. None of us are, have been in the NBA. So, you know, there's definitely margin for error on this conclusion. We did play yesterday morning. We did play yesterday morning with about nine other 54-year-olds. And it was really, it was awesome. It was really amazing. Yeah. But, you know, you handpick James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I mean, Lon, Geiger, you know, the moment that started happening, it wasn't like we were all like, we, we all looked at each other, you know, sort of metaphorically, and we're like, what just happened? Yeah, but guys, t- take Harden out of the question, mm-hmm. okay, because Harden hasn't been on the team for a while. The Nets went three weeks ago, 19-2 and two or something yeah. over Se- 21-game se- stretch. It was 17-2 and two over like- a 19-game stretch. Right, something like so. This is a team that people were saying was a threat to win the East and contend for a championship that has now, in a very short period of time, just blown it all up. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and it's just odd when you, I guess that's the problem when you when you build a team around two volatile players like this. That you, I guess you know what you're getting when they're on the court, but off the court, it's you know who knows what's going on. <laughs> you know who knows what they're thinking and who knows what they're going to wake up and do. Um, that's the biggest problem. And to the owner of the Nets' credit, uh, what's his name? Cy, Joe, Joe Cy, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, I don't care where Ky- Kyrie wants to go. I'm trading him anywhere but that. 
right? I mean, he was clearly fed up with with all these antics. And I think the act, the Nets are actually better off today than they were, you know, a week ago. I am so happy you just made that comment. Great point. Because, and we could break down the trade and look, the four first round picks and the one pick swap, you know, you could say, well, how good are these picks going to be with a team that has Booker, Paul, Durant? Well, you know what? I don't know. Durant's, Durant can't even play yet right now. Paul's four, Paul must, must be like 75 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how good the Suns are going to be two, three, four years from now. So those picks actually might be worth something. But to your point, Andrew, the, I don't know if you remember how much I loved the Kenny Atkinson Nets. I used to joke around, like, this team has a culture, and they all bought in to this coach who said, listen, none of you are amazing, but you're all pretty good. And if you're all pretty good consistently, we're going to win 45 to 48 games. We're going to make the playoffs, and then you have no idea what's going to happen. If one of the two of you stay hot for a two-week stretch, we make it to the next round of the playoffs. And I'll, I'll never forget when the trade went down for Durant, and I said, I guess Kenny's gone. And Kenny was gone. And Kenny went to become an assistant coach on Steve Kerr's team with the Warriors. And I, now I sit here, and I'm not saying Jacques Vaughn can't be that guy, by the way. Maybe he can. I mean, but to your point, I could not agree more. I think the Nets are, they could breathe. They could take a, like, take a breath, step back. They have like eight wings right now, eight three and D wings. Like figure it out right now. But, yeah. I mean, this guy Cam Thomas is averaging 40 points a game. I mean, he's come out of nowhere, right? I mean, he doesn't even step foot on the court or play as many minutes if Kyrie's in front of them. I, I loved when they got the team together and they got Steve Nash and – Kyrie said, we don't even need a coach. That That's my favorite comment of the last, my favorite quote of the last five years. It's like, you just can't put together such volatile players. And KD, and I, I want to get into this a little bit. I know where, Stefan knows where I'm going. KD's unbelievable, right? Nobody debates that. Offensively, even defensively, he's very good. He, he does care about his legacy. You know why? Because he responds to everything on Twitter. Right. He literally responds to everything. So he does care. He cares about even the littlest of jabs, let alone the big ones. The big ones, he goes quickly. He'll go at Stephen A. Smith. He'll go at anyone. Yep. Right? Kendrick Perkins. So, yeah. So he does care, which is just so crazy that he would just let Kyrie do whatever he wants to do. I do personally think that he will make the Suns just amazing because Chris Paul has to do much less now. And he can just, you know, be a coach on the floor. And, you know, between him and between, you know, what they have already, they have a lot of firepower. I personally think he's declined slightly. He still looked like an MV, like the MVP this year so far. Um, I, st- I do think he's the most unstoppable offensive player when he's going that we've ever seen. And I still think he's he's at that point. The question is whether or not, he can do it in the playoffs. He can do it under the bright lights when he doesn't have literally, you know, at least another player as good or better than him. And that's not going to get answered for you anytime soon. Right. I mean, obviously now with Phoenix, he's got all those guys. So, I mean, I don't <laughs> think that question's that question's going to get answered. I, I would say that I, I don't know about Phoenix. I mean, Monty Williams is, is, is a great coach, um, but they're going to be dealing with a lot of issues. You know, Booker is a high-volume shooter. Uh, Durant needs his shots. I suppose Chris Ball can get away with shooting like four or five times a game. It's not a big deal. Right. Uh, but Aiton needs the ball. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that team meshes over the next few weeks before the postseason. I, I agree. I mean, they signed Terrence Ross, who is feels like he's been in the league forever. So that's a decent signing. But I, I think to the point, you know, I don't want to use the word gutted, but their bench is really lean right now. So I think they're going to have to pick up a few more players. They're going to have to, you know, carry the eight to ten minute loads in the playoffs. So, I mean, look, in the playoffs, you know, Giannis, you know, the big boys, they play 40 minutes. Tatum, you know, these guys are getting pushed 40 to 42 minutes. Obviously, if you can, it could be, if you don't have to play your stars 40 to 45 minutes, you can play them 35 to 38. That's a lot better. Right. I mean, the Suns had to well, give I, up. Well, look, I mean, the Suns I had to give up. Say with the, Go ahead. Sorry, with the, with the Pelican series last year against the Suns, I mean, th- th- that was a, an epic battle. And the, the guys that really did a lot of damage were the guys they just got rid of. You know, Bridges, you know, Cam Johnson, and, um, uh, Jay Crowder were like, you know, the guys, they did all the dirty work. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting. By the way, Jay Crowder to the bucks. I know Jay Crowder's old and I know Jay Crowder, you know, looked really unhappy this season, but Jay Crowder to the bucks is a very good signing for the playoffs. Right. It is. Geiger, you actually did make my point. So I'm glad, I'm glad you articulated it. I mean, Mikel Bridges (laughs) and Cam Johnson and Crowder, especially Bridges, right? Bridges always guards the best player, the best perimeter player on the other team, and he locks them down. That's a big – look, that makes a difference. You know, obviously KD is KD. Like, and, and Bridges even said, he's like, if I'm ever going to be traded, I'm, I'm cool with it being KD, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to question whether or not they traded me for, you know, something that's garbage. Uh, but you, you win titles on – clearly you need the star players, the future Hall of Famers. You need – one, if not two now, to do it. But the, the glue pieces, they don't have as many glue pieces. And that's, no. that's a little bit of the issue no. now. And, and Chris Paul is that, but he's not what he was a couple of years ago. I think if you, look at the, if you look at the Nuggets in terms of their depth, if you look at the Celtics and picking up who they picked up from uh, you know, Mike Muscala, uh, and Jalen Brown's out right now with his eye, eye issue. But I think you, if you look at the Nuggets and you look at the Celtics and you look at a couple other teams, I think depth means something in the playoffs. And I think to both your points, you need to have the offensive firepower, but you've got to have those role players. Those role players mean everything, which is why, going back to my prediction, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I, I fell in love with the 10 or 11-man <laughs> rotation that the Pels had uh, before the season. I just did. Uh, you know, I, I just and there. I, I just thought the potential of those role players to even bust out to become better than role players. With, you know, I thought their ceiling was higher than most other teams. So I do think though the Nuggets uh, made a couple sneaky moves. Uh, I think grabbing Reggie Jackson is kind of a great move for the Nuggets off the bench. I think it's a kill. I mean, you have him off the bench as your sixth, seventh, or eighth guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly who you want. I mean, he was playing point guard starting minutes on the Clippers. Uh, so what about some other moves around the league that you guys thought were uh, impactful? All right, what do, you, what do you think? Like, Let's take out KD, right? Because that's, that's a huge one. Take out KD. What three teams do you think did the best before the trade deadline? I mean, I can tell you who I think did the worst was probably the Raptors. Right. I don't know. I don't know what the rap. I don't know what the Raptors are really doing. They're they're They should be playing better than they are. They do have a lot of assets, but they didn't really end up, doing anything with those assets to get any better. No. Um, Nick, Nick Nurse, I mean, if you'd have told me two years ago 
I would have said the Knicks should hire Nick Nurse as like their head coach, right? And he was this up and coming star in the East. Um, but now that franchise, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, is, is, is seems to be stuck in the mud. Um, I mean, they probably could have gotten a nice haul for Siakam. Uh, they didn't do that. The, Anunoby was was going to be dealt, but wasn't. What I don't recall whatever happened there. But um, yeah, so I think they they by stalling and not making a move there, they they probably set that franchise back a little bit. Yeah, the the, the trade um, the trade they needed to make was Fred Van Vliet because he's going to want a big mm-hmm. contract after the season. Right. I, I think you know when you look at your core of Scotty Barnes, who's having an underwhelming sophomore year, uh, and that could be for a lot of reasons. Uh, because you know, you know, one of the reasons could have been that they were told, you know, the Raptors probably told him, or he heard that, you know, they didn't want to trade him for Durant last year, which is pretty remarkable. So I'm sure, I'm sure Scotty Barnes didn't put quite the same work ethic in uh, pre-year one that he did pre-year two. That's just, you know, that's a that's a that's an assumption, not a conclusion or a fact. I think with OG, I think that they were testing the market. I think they were looking for three or four first-round picks. I think it came close, and then they also wanted a player. What was the trade that came close with the Warriors? Oh, it was, um, well, I think it was Kaminga. Wi- yeah, Kaminga Moody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a couple, you know, a couple picks. Not Wise. Wiseman wasn't in I that? don't think Wiseman was in that deal. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I think, look, I think. The, Lake, that- the, Lake, the, the, the Lakers are probably a winner at the deadline. I mean, you know, getting out from, from Westbrook and getting all those other guys. Um, yeah. For LeBron, King, King James. Yeah. Uh, to, do his thing with now yeah uh, <laughs> self-proclaimed love it <laughs> yeah they got mo bamba uh, mo mean, bamba yeah mo bamba's a laker um mm-hmm. i mean steph you mentioned jay crowder with the bucks that's a big move for the bucks i mean the bucks you know when they lost pj tucker jay crowder is kind of like that pj tucker kind of guy that's exactly um right. and the, the the bucks are gonna be a tough out in the east uh, in a seven game series they're gonna be tough to beat four times yeah I mean, I, th- I think Lon. I mean, Lon. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of credit, as much as I don't really feel like doing it right now. <laughs> you know, you did pick the Bucks before the season uh, to represent the East in yeah. the finals. Uh, I'm not going to agree with you uh, just for sport at the moment, but I certainly do believe that it is hard for me to see anybody beating the Bucks or the Celtics. Those to me seem the two teams. I think the Sixers. I mean, shy of Embiid and Harden literally going on a retreat before the playoffs and like finding a, a new religion where they play harder than they've ever played for every game, you know, through getting to the finals. I just don't see the Sixers pulling it off. No, I, I don't think the Sixers pulled up. I, I'm, I'm like we talked about last pod, you know, Embiid. I don't think they have enough depth behind Embiid. Um, he could go down at any point, like, like anyone, but he's he's a little the, the, the Zion-ish. Equa- the equa- you, you, you can talk about this all you want. The, the equation is simple. If James Harden is on the team, they are not winning the NBA champ. My right. guy. My guy. All right. I, I think, actually, I think that's fair. It is. It is. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad you went right to the, the heart of the situation. But, yeah, that, that probably is the case. He'll, he'll, he will do something stupid. By the way, I think the only way I would have amended that statement would have been the Harden and or Doc Rivers combination. I think Doc Rivers <laughs> specializes in taking uber-talented teams to the middle of the second round. So, it's okay. You know what? Philadelphia's had enough decent stuff this year. I'll take a break on the Sixers. They would frustrate me to no end anyway. Um deep in the playoffs. But I look, I it's probably, you know, it's it's probably the Bucks and the Celtics and again, 
I'm going to stick with the heat a little bit, too. No shot. This has nothing to do with being a somewhat homer. This team, Bam's playing very well. I wish people could see my face right now. Somewhat homer. Yeah. I'm I'm a homer. It's killing me. I am a homer. Fine. (laughs) But what would what would happen to the city of Philadelphia if the Sixers did make the finals and lost? So you got the the Phillies, yeah, the Eagles, the Sixers, plus that that the, MLS, the soccer team, team yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, not, that's, but it know. feels right. It feels like something that should happen to us. It's, it's like an old sweatshirt. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not. Compl- I'm not complaining. It wears well. I'm definitely not complaining. If it feels like something that probably will happen now, now that you said it, uh, <laughs> I just I just think it's going to come down to the same old teams at the end. Uh, it, you know, all these all these different things that are happening, whatever. I, and on the West, I I think. The Warriors are still going to be it, you know. So I, I, I really I, do believe it. I will tell you that I think that the we, we can we can do our predictions right now because that's what we're doing. Yeah. I think that the Heat, as I've said since the beginning of the season, they made no moves, they made no roster adjustments, and I think you know they are absolutely dead in the water. Do I want to play them in the playoffs? No, because they're annoying and they play defense. Do I think they they can be taken out like fairly like legitimately in five to six games by the Bucks and the Celtics? Yes, I do. Th- this exact team. Lost on literally a shot that like hit the back iron on a three with a less with Bam is better this year. But in fairness, though, in fairness, though, I feel like there's zero Duncan Robinson, right? Because he's been hurt because he uh, I think he hurt his pinky. Right. But Max Struess has stepped up. I, I, I can't. Even and and I know G- Gabe Vincent. I, I, I get it. Oh, my God. But, this but, team, this team drives but, me. But insane. Jimmy Butler's a top five player once he hits the playoffs. <laughs> Before that, he's like a top 25 player. Let, let me ask you this. I'm looking at the Western Conference standings, the top four teams in the West. OK, Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings and the Mavericks. Uh, you think either of those teams can win the title? No. Yes. I don't. You think you think the Nuggets can? Stay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, underrated coach, incredible depth, two-time defending MVP, potentially might be a three-time defending MVP. Yeah, they can. And, and by the way, let's also get into a healthy Jamal Murray. I mean, let's not forget what healthy Jamal Murray did in the 2020 bubble. So Yeah, Jamal Murray makes – he does make it – he's not afraid of the pressure. Like, we've seen that. He's not afraid of that moment. That That is the key piece. Because, look, you saw Jokic – Last year, and he's incredible, but he's not beating a quality team with a lot of balance. On his, this is the NBA. You're not doing that. So Geiger, so with that, let me, st- l- let me ask you this. Though. Let me ask you this. Let's say the let's say the war- the Warriors, Lonnie's a uh, plucky current nine seed that's going to be in a playing game. Let's say they get the the eight seed and it's Warriors Nuggets in the first round. Okay. Gonna be tough. I, I don't know. I think you ready? A healthy se- Warriors team is se- tough to beat. Seven games. It's a six or a seven game victory in Denver with home court. But I will tell you that is the worst. I mean, that is the that's the best ninth seed ever. I mean, they're just so. There's nothing. Six guys on or four guys on that team have never seen. Right? They've seen everything on the floor. And Steph, you yep. know, Steph will win a game or two just on his own. But and then Clay Thompson will win, to, win one too. But I will tell you that when I sent you the text that the Warriors had made some convoluted cockamamie trade and figured out a way to dump Wiseman's salary and tax implications and grab Gary Payton Jr., uh, I, or Gary Payton II, I said to myself, oh, my God. I said, that was the move. And now to hear that he's really kind of hurt. And then maybe he'll be back for the playoffs, maybe not. If, if he was fully healthy... 
I would be much more leery of the Warriors, you know, moving forward. Look, the Warriors don't give a shit about the regular season. The playoffs don't start for two months. Right. 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 And then you have another month until, you know, you're deeper into the playoffs. Right. So you're talking three months. So like that wasn't that one of the things is like he might be out three months. He knows this offense. He knows these players. Right. Like he's going to come back like game four of the Western Conference Finals right when they need him. And he's going to have, you know, 12 points and like, grab key rebounds. Like lock down like the nugget. He'll lock down Michael Porter Jr. That's or what whatever. I'm saying. Like, it's, it's like amazing. Well, but also what, what what their injuries have done this year has really allowed Jordan Poole to become an alpha himself. I mean, Poole could be that guy in any given night. I mean, he yes. could score 30 points. Yes. Um, and, and you know, Cl- Draymond's Draymond. And Clay's looking better than last year. And didn't Wiggins win Finals MVP he did. or something last? Yeah. last I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> this team is not someone that I'd want to play. That's what I'm saying. Everyone's sleeping yeah. on it, and there's only so much you can extrapolate from the regular season. True, it's, it's a very, very different true. thing when you get deeper. So why don't we end this podcast with the two of you showering one of your favorite players with adulation and maybe some flowers, and I'll give the two of you the, the, the podium, the pedestal, to talk about you know, LeBron James. And we can all congratulate him. Uh, you know well, I, I would just like to say that the, one of the best things of the Super Bowl last night was when they, they showed LeBron James, and, and what did he do? He like put the, the king on his head when yeah. he was shown on the Jumbotron, and frankly, he deserved it, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know, not only now the, the all, <laughs> all-time leading scorer, um, you know, it's interesting. J.J. Redick on, on his podcast had something recently about uh, um, he's kind of fending off all the arguments that people had for LeBron being like this stat compiler, right? And all of these numbers don't really mean much because he played so long. But Redick said he's, that's just not accurate, right? I mean, his scoring average or something is like top five all time, right? So it's not like he's limping into these final years of his career putting up 12 points a game, right? Okay. Um, better shooting percentage all time than Michael Jordan by one percent ninth all time and whatever ninth all time in threes fourth all time in assists that that's the one like so so it's crazy right so all this argument oh he doesn't make his teammates better he's a selfish ball hog blah blah that's out the window um and then Reddick brought up ever since these uh this clutch points uh statistic was started in 96 or 1997 LeBron is number one by far uh most most game winning shots in the playoffs ever um, so I, I don't know. Plus the off the court stuff, Steph, I know you're not a big fan of LeBron, but the school that he developed for these underprivileged youth, I, I don't see the Michael Jordan school anywhere. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff that LeBron does off the court that I just don't think he gets credit for because of a lot of the social media stuff that he engages in and, and, and attracts. Um, so just, uh, just wanted to congratulate King James on his wonderful achievement um, Mazel Tov. Well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Yulon go, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close it. Wow, that was refreshing. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm around this all the time. It's just, you know, hate on LeBron. It, it, look, there is some deference to how great he is, and I, I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. He's not just a stack compiler. He, I, I mean the range of his statistics and the efficiency every night is just incredible. Um, he, and obviously the fact of what he's doing right now is amazing. And, you know, I, I know that some may not agree with this take, but it's like, 
what he's doing and, and medicine and all that stuff and all the stuff that, that goes into all these athletes conditioning and LeBron took it to another level. But like Michael Jordan played for the wizard at, at this age, didn't look anything like this. Right. And you know, it just does show you that LeBron, he came in as an, as a, probably the most biggest freak athlete we've maybe ever seen. And he's, he has evolved over time and he was a little bit more of a pass first guy as well. Um, like I don't love all the things he does, you know, in social media, whatever. But that school is a big deal. I think he, I think he genuinely wants to do good. I don't know if he always knows how to do good. Um, and look, he he is he is pretty arrogant. He's he's not no. afra- he's not he a, he's not afraid to tell you that wow. he's I no idea. You know that he was born with God given ability. I've heard him say that a million times, which is which is great. Um, but you know that. We're not going to do it now because we could do this forever. But, but Andrew, you're invited back anytime. One pod that we are going to do is we we had this debate all the time, and the debate isn't is he better than Jordan or not. The debate is how close it, is LeBron closer than a lot of people think to Jordan. So right, like a lot of people like of our generation. I think like I think so, the generation younger than us right. is like oh no, LeBron's the best because right. they didn't really get to see Jordan. Right. We look, we will definitely do a separate pod on that. I will merely say this. Congratulations to LeBron James. It's a remarkable record. Uh, I, I, I do think what he's doing at this age is, honestly, it's, it's really incredible. It's a marvel to watch. Um, every time he touches the ball, I cringe. Uh, but that's just me. That's just like a, that's a medical thing that I have. Um, <laughs> what the biggest thing with him is that he, he did take the off-court ability to take care of one's body and mind and I will tell you that I had it on good record that about four years ago his back was so bad that he was consulting with like people from all over the world on how he can extend his career and people were like they don't know if he's going to be able to like there were times when he couldn't get out of his chair in his own home that's how bad his back was and so I'm reading this and I'm listening to people who know far more than we do about this and I'm like well what's going to happen then that's crazy and the fact that today he's averaging 30 a game, okay, doing it against, you know, you know this, this is the highest level you can do it in. It's a tremendous thing. Do I think he's top five ever? Yes. Do I think he's probably top three ever? Yes. I'll say that a little <laughs> bit more grudgingly. Do, do I think – here's what I hope, and I said this to you, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's what I hope, okay? I was not a gigantic Kobe Bryant fan when he was on the court. I, I mean, you want to talk about a ball hog. I mean, you know, that guy never saw a shot he didn't want to take, okay? But wow, did you learn a lot more about Kobe when he retired. I mean, you saw, you saw things that he was doing that really were, you know, that I, I couldn't believe he was capable of doing. I mean, you knew how, you, you had read all the stories of how intelligent he was. You had read about how, you know, how he views the game and how he looks at the game. But the amount that came out when he was, you know, actively running schools and building schools in California for the youth, you know, the youth, you know, the youth camps, the youth summer camps that he's building and all the things that he was doing and the documentaries he was making and the trips he was taking overseas. This is what I'll say. LeBron James, you know, you, if you want to know how good LeBron James is, the only thing you need to do is ask him. He'll be more than happy to tell you. And he'll tell you for as long as you want to listen. I'm hopeful. And I know he's built the school in Akron. I know he's given like 50 million. And that, honestly, that's, that makes him, honestly, that makes him a greater person and player. It really does. 
I just genuinely hope that after he retires, which will probably be in 2027, after he's played like three seasons with both of his sons, and that'll be a whole other road show and tour that we get to, to watch, uh, I just hope he takes a step back and just maybe just dials down the ego and just does, just does his thing, man. Do a bunch of good. Do a bunch of good. Open up a bunch of schools. Teach kids, what, you know, that they can be anything they want. You know, impress upon them how they can, you know, train and practice. Open up clinics. Open up academies. Do all that stuff. Because if he doesn't, and he just, you know, sits there and, you know, continues to talk about how he thinks he's better than Jordan, and that's how always been his main goal. Because clearly, that is his main goal. Yes. Uh, you know, then I'll be a little bit disappointed. Maybe I won't be surprised, but I'll be a little bit disappointed. But I hope for our sake, I actually hope for our sake and society's sake, he does take the Kobe route because I think the world would be a better place if he does it. I agree with all that. But I, uh, I think it's closer than we realize. <laughs> Not in the playoffs. Seven-point difference. Ooh, Just ooh. saying. All right. Okay. All right. 34-28. All right. Okay. Well, well, that's a different, ga- different, different game back then. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Lame beer. Yeah, it's true. That's right. Different game back then. Uh, well, listen, Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you on our podcast. Uh, you can find him on Casual Hoya Twitter. You can also find him doing some uh, King Cake reviews. Uh, he's really a, a man of many talents, and we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I look forward to the next one. All right. Have a good one, buddy. Take care. There, guys. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, Thank you for bantering. Uh, I'm really sorry again about the Eagles. We'll get them next year. But you, ha- you have your quarterback for the future. Yeah, there's silver linings. It, it obviously hurts. It's still raw. But uh, I'm glad we were. I was able to have a little therapy session today with uh, you and Andrew. You guys were very supportive, so thank you. Um, so let's, let's end this. I, we're going to have a couple more coming up soon. Um, I, think you, uh, I think you caught the drift of what one is probably going to be. Pretty soon, I think probably sooner than we realized. Yeah. Um, Mike Miskula versus Mike Jaminski. Yeah, ooh, Jaminski was great <laughs> for the Sixers. Um, anyway, so have a great rest of the day. From the dudes of Davey, we'll talk to you soon. Be well.